Hello, I'm Kelly Proctor, the president of DMV Healthcare USA Incorporated. Thank you for joining us for this episode of our podcast, RX for Hospital Quality. It's my privilege to introduce podcast host, Simile Miller. Hello, healthcare. Welcome to this episode of RX for Hospital Quality. I am Simile Miller, and usually I'm your host for the podcast, but today we have, again, a special guest. You guys are going to remember him. Uh, He has been on our podcast before and is well-known and loved out there in the healthcare world. Um, Jamie, you want to introduce yourself? Hey, thanks, Emily. Yes, uh, good morning. This is James Jeffcoat. You can call me James, Jamie, or Jeff, whichever you prefer. Um, I uh, currently manage the uh, cardiac portfolio for DMV Global that includes VAD, ECMO, chest pain, and heart failure. And uh, I live in Lexington, South Carolina. Been with DMV for about eight years now. All right, perfect. And I'm going to just step out, everyone. Mr. Jeffcoat, take this away. Perfect. Thank you, Simile. Well, it is my pleasure today to uh, introduce our first podcast for the year. We're going to have some segments throughout the year that lead up to our annual symposium. It's going to take place in Charleston, South Carolina in October. It's the DNV Healthcare Symposium. The apex of that is going to be using quality to push your program in the cardiac space. And so we're going to have a specific cardiac track this year at symposium. And to tee off this year, it was my fault to bring in a superior program that we credential in the VAD scope. It is TriHealth Bethesda North. And uh, I want wanted to introduce the team there. First off is Dr. O'Keefe and Pam Smith from that program. I'm going to be introducing and, uh, and actually interviewing uh, Dr. O'Keefe today regarding quality. Before we get into the, uh, the actual interview, Dr. O'Keefe, I'll let you uh, introduce yourself and then turn it over to Pam. Hi, Jamie. Good morning. Thanks so much for the opportunity to be here. My name is Catherine O'Keefe. I'm a cardiac surgeon here at Bethesda North Hospital in Cincinnati with TriHealth. I've uh, been a cardiac surgeon here for almost a decade and really honored that we are partnering with DNV. We started our VAD program a few years ago. We're credentialed, have been up and running now for several years, and it's been a great relationship. So thanks for the opportunity. And I'm Pam Smith. I'm the Director of Inpatient Cardiac here at Bethesda North, and the VAD program falls under my arena. Very good. Thank you. What I want to kind of get into today is with new programs that are considering DNV and or any other deeming authority uh, in the scope, is how do you push your program forward, first of all, by using data? And one of the questions we get quite frequently is, what do you want us to monitor for data? And then how do we take aggregated data and move our program forward? Dr. O'Keefe and her program did a great job this past year during their survey activities, kind of annotating how they take data and quality and push your program forward. And so with that, what I'm going to do is just uh, pitch the first question to Dr. O'Keefe. First off is when you were considering your VAD program, what considerations did you use for using a national database to evaluate your programmatic performance? And What elements of that national database went into your decision-making for that? Yeah, that's a great question, Jamie. And and I think when you start out a VAD program, you have to think about all the basics uh, and figure out how you're going to integrate that into your delivery of care. We have always thought at TriHealth that quality should not be separate. It should be transparent. It should be integrated at the care level from from the entire system. Um, So we had always really planned on using a national database for entering our data and evaluating our programmatic performance. It was kind of a no-brainer for us to join Intermax, and we felt like that 
was really a tried and true kind of gold standard amongst the country. It allowed us to benchmark our data against other quality programs throughout the country as well. Um, and it was really based and, and mirrored, our VAD program is mirrored on how we run our very high performing, high quality cardiac surgery program, which uses the STS database. So it was really for us, it was a no brainer, uh, as I said, that we were going to partner with Intermax in this. Now, there's been some thought, Dr. Keith, that uh, maybe a program could actually harvest their own data, aggregate that data, and push their program along, mirroring that with our requirements in QM7 to monitor measure a program. Um, did you all consider maybe harvesting your own data and using that? And you said it was kind of a no-brainer that you all went with Intermax, which is really the gold standard. But did you did you think that we, we could do this on our own and we can push our program forward? Yeah, we, we actually did. We talked about all the options. I think when you are considering how to set up a quality management structure, you have to think about resources. You have to think about cost. How many individuals do you have? Uh, how many FTEs do you want to put into it? Where those folks report through? Uh, and then how you get your data and your reports out. And it, I think it also depends on how much uh, kind of epic help and how much other IT help you have throughout your system to make that happen. We do keep track of some of our data independently and concurrently. And I think that's important for some of our quality metrics. Uh, for example, this year, we're going to focus a lot on driveline infections and GI bleeding. And we felt like homegrown tracking and our own dashboards can help us identify issues and opportunities for improvement a little bit earlier. As you know, one of the things in the Intermax data is that you get a quarterly report out. And sometimes your data is a little bit lagging, and that's just the nature of how national reporting comes. So if you want to get on top of something early, I think you do have to track internally and have your own dashboards that you're looking at. So we do a, a combination of that, and we're thankful to have the resources and personnel to help us do that. So you all have set up in your model probably some personnel that actually take your data and harvest it and aggregate it for its review and your quality management structure. Um, what kind of model do you have in your quality management structure to kind of allow that? Or does does the VAD program own their data or is it is it part of a, a separate and distinct entity within Bethesda North? Essentially, we own our data. I mean, it is obviously it is a hospital based initiative. The, the quality uh, registries are run through the hospital. I'll back up. You know, our quality management program um, and structure has been in place in our hospital system for a long time, and it incorporates everything. It incorporates um, our STS database, our TBT registry, our CAF PCI, all of our NCDR registries, you know, so that's a very robust program that runs through the system. We have a quality manager in the Heart Institute. We collaborate with our registry departments to make sure the data is entered in a timely fashion, that it is accurate. And I think as you build a VAD program, it requires that you build that quality from the start. And so as soon as you train your team and you're ready to implant, you should be ready to start tracking your quality metrics. Your data, as I said earlier, should be integrated then into the care delivery system at every level throughout the hospital. So you have to have involvement from nursing and from administration all along to make this a reality. Um, and we really feel our VAD coordinators and our registry data abstractors are probably the most integral parts of, of this quality process. Perfect. Now, we've been credentialing your program. I think your past survey was year two, I believe. Mm -hmm. And you all are part of a joint commission structure with your system and chose DNB. Part of what we look at when we're on site looking at quality management structure is how has how has quality, how has your program growth changed what you do in-house? And one of the questions I wanted to ask you was, in your quality management structure, how has that changed since your program inception? 
in re, in relation to and as your growth had has dictated that what what is what has been added trend back leaned in your vad journey yeah that's a great question and i think as you develop any new program whether it's a vad program or any other high level service that you offer to patients you have to be flexible and you have to collaborate and realize things are going to change along the way as you learn things in terms of our structure we we actually met a lot more frequently as we started out than we need to now. And I think early on, there's just a lot of meetings and a lot of plannings to get that right structure in place. Right now, we have uh, what we call bad QAPI meetings, QAPI, quality improvement meetings. Um, when we meet quarterly and we review our Intermax data, our opportunities for improvement there, the entire VAD team participates. So part of the scheduling headache is making sure that about 30 people have the same calendar invite and they can all make it there. But we have made that a priority. And then at those meetings, we invite our hospital administration, our cardiovascular service line system chief, the ICU director of our cardiovascular ICU, um, and leadership from nursing. Because if you separate nursing from quality initiatives, you will not be successful. I mean, that's really where the care is delivered on a day-to-day -day basis. And so we meet monthly, if needed, separately with our registry data abstractors and myself as a surgical director and Dr. Casey, our medical director. So we have a very open line of communication. And if we need to meet more frequently, we will, just to make sure that our data is entered accurately. So I would say, our structure has changed a bit in just the frequency of our meetings from when we started out. Early on, we were meeting a lot. We were trying to figure out the right plan. Now, one of the requirements that are in our standards is the deployment of internal audits. Now, internal auditing is a, an activity that takes a process and puts it through its rigors to make sure it meets the requirements of the VAD program. And I, I can recall, I believe when we were on site surveying you all, you had you had done a great job with deploying internal audits. Now, internal audits is something that is different than looking at data. Talk to me about how you deploy internal audits within your program. Who owns internal auditing? Do you have a team that does that? And what do you do with the results of your audits? I think the audit for us, it really starts with the data. I think as you look through your data results, you start to see trends or you see concerns that then lead you to an audit. We use the SBAR technique often and really try to make sure that we're following back up uh, through that entire process. You know, we try to identify a lead person. I mean, Quite honestly, it's usually Pam that is the person who's leading all these initiatives because she has the bandwidth throughout the hospital system to be able to get the different team members involved. But whether it's a group of GI docs that need to sit together or our anesthesia critical care team uh, or our NP team or something looking at drive lines where we have to involve wound care, the SBAR process goes along and we then report back at our QAPI meetings every quarter as to the progress we've been making on those initiatives. So it's fluid and I think what the patients need and what your data shows you is going to drive that separately every year. You're not going to focus on the same things year to year. Very good. Now, uh, let, let me go back to your Intermax uh, experience. For new programs that are looking into Intermax, uh, considering that, can you talk about your journey with that? When you first determined that a, you were going to have a VAB program and you were going to use Intermax and then you were going to work with DMV on your journey. Was that journey something that timing wise, leading up to when you first wanted to start implanting was something you had to backtrack as far as the, the time frame it took to work through the contractual elements of that mm -hmm. until you, you wanted to begin the process of implanting? 
Yeah, it was. You know, it, nothing happens quickly through hospital administration and bureaucracy. And I'm just, I'm saying something I think every physician knows that might be listening in or every team member. So there's a process that you have to go through to get the registry approved, get the funds put into the budget. I think knowing when your budgetary time frame is and when you want to start your program is probably important to make sure that you account for that into the next year's budget. Um, hospital budgets are important. And uh, you just have to make sure you go through the right channel. So we were actually ready to implant uh, before we had our Intermax contract signed. Um, we went ahead and we implanted. We kept note of all the data we knew we would need to be able to put patients into Intermax. You know, that is readily available to everyone, you know, in the entire country. You can look and see what Intermax is going to be tracking. So we did that. And then we had to back, um, you know, backdate some of that information. So our first patient is not in our Intermax registry. We obviously continued from that point on to be able to, to put patients in. But um, timing can be a little bit tricky. So you don't want to be behind the eight ball, you know, a year or two later and then decide you want to go into Intermax or into your national registry. Um, so I think planning for that from the start as you build your resources for the program is important. And I will say it was very important. We hired a new FTE for the Intermax abstractor, and she has a cardiac background, which was essential. She spent a lot of time with our VAD coordinators and with the advanced heart failure team to understand the dynamics of what was going on. So her job would be easier. And the VAD coordinator in the Intermax abstractor have very close relationships. They will tell you they talk often several times a day, at least once a day. That's good for us because on the nursing end of it, sometimes they'll make us aware of maybe some issues we might see prior to the actual Intermax report or very, I would say just very quickly, like you guys, we need to tune up on this or, or this might be something we need to re-educate or things like that. So they, their relationship is key. And those people will tell you that they have to be able to communicate with each other. Yeah, you know, Jamie, in some programs, their Intermax data is entered by their VAD coordinators, and mm -hmm. that's a role that they take on. Um, and I think that's a, a good way to do it as well. I think each program has to just decide how they want to set up their, their data collection. We chose to have a separate FTE for that through our data abstractors. That is not necessarily the way you have to do it, but I think the key is to be consistent and to have somebody integrated every day at patient care level, and they have to understand the Intermax definitions as well. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you brought that up, and that, that will be a great segue into a, uh, another question I have for you all. In that you have that FTE dedicated to your Intermax, that offloads a lot of that work for your VAD coordinators, and, and you chose that at an early point in your program. And so that, that now increases the bandwidth of your VAD coordinators to do other things and other activities, correct? It does, and I think every new program has to think about how they're going to make their program scalable. Right, because all of us want to implant as many beds as possible. We want to reach and treat as many patients as we can uh, throughout our, our community. And so you don't want to be limited by the resources or your staffing, and you have to put processes in place that are scalable in the future. And so by having an FTE for data registry, that allows our VAD coordinators to focus a lot more on the clinical and outpatient care that they need to do, education, family training, things like that. And if you have your VAD coordinator doing data entry and, and registry data, you may need to think about having enough FTEs with your VAD, VAD coordinators to do that. If you were to put a time frame on one patient that you implant, 
the, the time dedicated to then inputting all that data after that initial indexed implant, how long do you think you would say that it takes that registrar to import that data? You know, that's a good question. And we actually just had an endeavor where we have our registry data abstractors tracking their hours as to what they do every single day. So I can follow up with you on that. I would I would suspect it's probably the better part of 20 to 30 hours that are spent per patient for their Intermax data. I do not know that number. I can follow up with you. Yeah, and, and part of that is that patient's journey as well within right. your program. So there's that cadence of having to continually update uh, data into that particular registry for that particular patient as yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah. a lifetime relationship. And mm. so one thing we've been trying to do is also work with our Epic and IT resources in the hospital to automate some of those Intermax data points in your outpatient notes that come in or your outpatient visits and make those scheduling appointments very clear. You know, they're here for their six-month Intermax visit. This is what we need today um, to take some of the work away from our bad coordinators in that. Absolutely. Thank you all for the time you've given us today. I'm sure this is going to be great intel and wisdom for programs who are considering coming on board with a VAT program and equally coming on board with uh, DNV to take their program to that next level. So we thank you so much for your time and to our podcast audience out there, continue to look for some other events that we'll be pitching uh, throughout the year leading up to Symposium. We have some great stuff that's going to be coming down the pipe. Keep in track with what we have on our podcast website. And with that, Simile, I'm turning it back over to you, ma'am. Well, thank you, Jamie. That was amazing. Um, lots of valuable information and guidance. Uh, really appreciate uh, everyone taking the time and joining us on our podcast. And as usual, thank you for being a fantastic host. And to everyone out there, please remember, uh, be safe and always, always take care of yourselves. Until next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Rx for Hospital Quality is a podcast produced by DMD Healthcare USA Incorporated. To learn more about subjects covered here or to download any of our standards or requirements, please visit our website at www.dnbhealthcare.com.